Hi, this is a part two of the conversation I had with Don Robbins about his play-by-play -play video series. If you haven't listened to the last episode, I'd recommend you to listen to that first. With that said, hope you'll continue enjoying our conversation. I only joined Salesforce for a year and a half, so all the past experience you mentioned, I, I don't know, of course. But since a year and a half ago, I started to, to watch you play by play. You know, well, there's, a, there's another really important point here. You're sort of a living example of the success of the online scalability capability. One of the reasons why I always was attracted to Pluralsight was because the content can go on their site and it's, it's distributed globally. Not only is it distributed globally, but you know these courses for those for those who are watching and may not know, the courses are transcribed. So all the courses have a full transcript available. If you go into the you know there's a there's a menu in the course, and you can go read the transcript. Mm. I mean you can read the course. It's it's a transcribed. It's a you know 99x percent accuracy, but yeah. that allows something else. Pluralsight did something years ago that I think is brilliant. They basically take the transcription, and then they have a closed captioning mechanism that that display. If you turn it on, you got to turn it on. That will show you the closed captions by default in English. But then they did something even more interesting. Uh, and it was an, I think it was an experiment when they first did it. They hooked it up in real time to the Google Translation Engine so that you can choose your language. Okay. And the closed captioning appears translated. You can choose up to like, I don't know, I think there's over 50 languages. It's real time. It's machine translation. So, of course, it's, some languages are better than others. But the neat thing is that as the Google Translation language uh, engine improves, it, yeah. just, it just improves. Yeah. So what this means is not only is it scaled out to the world, because I know you're sort of up near the top of the world, a little bit in an isolated corner, and yet here you are, but for those whose English is not that strong, you get the translation engine, but the more value is the closed captioning, because I believe my understanding from people who I've spoken to whose English is weak is they don't need the translation. They just like the closed captioning in English mm -hmm. because it allows they can read easier than they can necessarily follow if they're listening. Mm. So that adds an enormous scalability effect. And that's, I love that. I, I, that's what I fell in love with. Okay. Yeah, because I don't need those uh, different language yeah. transcriptions. So, so I don't feel that. But I, I, after listening to you, I definitely see the value of those stuff. Yeah, the technology all Absolutely. the time evolves. I love that uh, your content is built on top of Pluralsight, which already has so many wonderful and powerful features to support your content. But yeah. the thing is that there's a shortage is that it's a paid content. You know, you can only reach that many audience. You anyway need to pay for. Yes, it, yes, that is true. However, <laughs> I know it's coming. However, <laughs> couple, couple, couple of things to keep in mind. Um, and it depends on who, of course, our, our, our viewers are who want to leverage Pluralsight. If, if uh, a, a Salesforce practitioner, that's what I call them, Salesforce mm -hmm. practitioners or Salesforce technologists, if they work for a Fortune 500 company, 
Uh, Pluralsight is in, uh, I think, about 70% of Fortune 500 companies are enterprise Pluralsight customers. What that means is that a block of seats has been purchased by that company. Now, Mm. who they give those seats out to, how they dole them out is an open question. How many they have, I don't know. Mm -hmm. But if you work for a Fortune 500 company and you're hearing the sound of my voice, I would recommend that you research whether or not your company has an enterprise Pluralsight account. Mm -hmm. If they don't, you can try to talk them into it. If they do, you can try to see if you can get a seat because there may be seats that aren't being used. So that's the that's the first thing I always like to like to point out to people. Mm-hmm. If you don't work for a Fortune 500 company, you should still ask to see if your company actually has an enterprise account because they may and you may just not know. Yeah. For example, sometimes the Salesforce the Salesforce team in any company is really not that tight with the developer team and the developers have plural site. But but yeah. nobody knows, right? So you should, you should certainly check that out. That's mm-hmm. number 1. Number 2, plural site has a you know, a trial offer. Now, the trial offer for Pluralsight, um, if you go to any, if you can go to Pluralsight and you can view the catalog and you can see all the courses without having to be logged in. Mm-hmm. If you're on any course page, there's a button that says start free trial or something like that. Okay. And the free trial, uh, you do have to enter your info. You do have to enter uh, credit card information and you'll get up to, I think it's 200 minutes of viewing. Okay. And then, it will, you know, it can convert. So you can you you can cancel it. I, I don't know if you have to cancel it. I've never done it. So you mm. should definitely check that out. It may it may automatically convert, or it may ask you to convert, and you'll want to know which it is. But it is a limited free trial. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. The other thing you can do is w- what we do is uh, both at conferences and uh, whether it's Trailhead X or uh, any any conference that. Pluralsight shows up as a sponsor, and they sponsor many of them, or even the community conferences. Um, they give out these little. Uh, do I have an example of one? Uh, they give out. These, yeah, they have these little stickers. I don't have any handy to show, but they're okay. these little round stickers, and they're for, they're good for thirty days of unlimited viewing. Okay. So so if you can get a hold of one of these thirty day access codes, you can watch for thirty days. Well, that's a lot of time. You have yeah. to make that. You have to carve out the time. So if there's one or two courses, or three courses, or four courses, or five courses that you want to watch, if you get a hold of one of these 30-day courses, you can absolutely watch it for free. And as a matter of fact, I have a, a, what I do is I sponsor uh, community groups around the world, and I tell the community groups is that you can. Uh, let people know about Pluralsight, and I give you a, a URL you can go to. And the URL, it's a bit.ly. If you're familiar with bit.ly, it's you know lowercase yeah. b-i-t yeah. slash Don Robbins. <laughs> D-O-N-R-O-B-I-N-S. One B in Robbins. It's not R-O-B-B. It's R-O-B. It'll take you to a little page of my website. And you register there with your email address and some information about you, because I like to know who you are and what your role is and what, uh, are you a developer, are you an admin, are you an architect, uh, what your level is. And I ask you what you're interested in learning. And um, it sends you one of these 30-day codes and a couple, okay. a couple of links to follow. So I'm, mm-hmm. I'm telling developer community groups, please give, give this out. I send out a, a QR code as well that they can put up on a slide deck. It's just bit.ly yeah. Don Robbins, bit.ly slash lowercase. Once you mm-hmm. start it, the clock starts ticking down, um, and I will only give you out once. I do it by email address. So if I see your email okay. address, I, I can't send you a second one. 
Uh, okay. It doesn't mean you might have another email address. <laughs> uh, <laughs> okay. <laughs> but anyway, so you can see the content. So that's the second one. There's a third one. A number of play-by-plays and a number of Pluralsight courses are what we called uh, in front of the pay gate. What that means is they're free. You do not okay. need a seat. You don't even need a trial account. You don't need a 30-day code account. They're free. You can watch them as many times as you want. And we do that with some of the courses that we felt were really important to be out in the community. So mm-hmm. um, on the play-by-play side, the first course we did that with was Matt Morris's uh, Diagramming yeah. Salesforce Solutions because yeah. we felt that for architects, one of the for hardest the things to – to learn to understand if you unless you're you know unless you've got architects in your company then you can go look at their content which not that many people have that option mm-hmm. diagramming is just there, there aren't any courses on diagrams not something salesforce teaches so matt did this great course where we captured his drawing from a camera that we hung from the rafters yes we, yes. Made, we made it free and then we exposed it to the architect team i work closely with the architect team and the boot camps so we made that one free. Then we did the same thing for the series of Lightning Web Component courses that we put out this year. Chuck Liddell's course, uh, Lightning Web Components for Salesforce Developers. We did a course that was for non-Salesforce developers on LWC with Adam Daw. And then mm-hmm. Barry Hughes, uh, when I was in Ireland in March, he, re- he recorded a Lightning Web Components with uh, prototyping with Playgrounds, which plays mm. off of a course he did about a year and a half ago. We put those in front of the Paygate, and we put the Heroku course in front of the Paygate, also primarily because the gentleman, uh, Lyric Hartley, who recorded the uh, Understanding Heroku Myths and Magic, he works for Heroku. So we wanted mm. to make that free. We don't want any conflict of interest, so it's a free course also. We're trying to do this more and more, and we're, even tr- we're trying to release more play-by-plays in front of the Paygate. It, but it's not just play-by-plays. Uh, if you need to learn JavaScript, Dan Appleman's JavaScript for Salesforce developers, that's a free course. So always go look at the courses. They might already be free. Go get yourself a trial account or go get yourself a 30-day and watch a bunch of them. Um, talk your talk your company into buying you a, a seat. It's about 300 bucks a year, a little bit more, I think. Mm. If you really need the moving education, which is what it's so powerful for. If you need to learn things other than Salesforce, if you're a hardcore developer and you need JavaScript and you need data technology and you need security, it's over 6,000 courses in, yeah. in the Pluralsight yeah. library. It, it, it's, it is expensive for many people. I, I totally get it. But the value proposition is huge if it fits you. And I can only try to encourage people. Exactly. You mentioned if it fits you. Because... Um your courses and all those um, courses in Pluralsight, they have changed my career path and my life in general. And uh, since I joined the Salesforce ecosystem, I started reading like a Dan Abelman's uh, Advanced Apex uh, book and also um, Andy Fawcett's Enterprise Architect. I mean, these things, they're invaluable. I can read them day by day, month after month, you know, there are always things I always want to turn back to and then digest the information. But not everybody is convinced and not everybody likes to read book or even watch videos. I don't know what is that. I don't know. That's just always like um, a puzzle in my head. 
I agree with you. Uh, and it, and, uh, I believe, you know, I, I, as an MVP, uh, every year, uh, we have a chance to sort of gather together. There's what's called the MVP summit. Um, mm-hmm. th- these days it's, it's devolved more into, uh, happening at the, at the conferences. But a few years ago, um, when the summits were still going strong, we had a summit here in San Francisco, and one of the things they did at the summit was um, they had all the MVPs get an account for a uh, an online um, evalu- personality evaluation test called Strength Finders, which is put okay. out by um, uh, companies uh, – uh, can't remember the name of the company that sponsors it, but the idea is that you go, you know, it's, it's sort of like a Myers-Briggs uh, online test. But what it does is it identifies, well, it what it the, what the Strength Finders does, and there's a book, and you can go out and buy it if you want. But what it does mm-hmm. is it it ranks personality um, uh, traits into these 32 buckets. You yeah. you know you're you are you're you're either this or you're not or you're you're ranked. It's a it's a forced ranking. So when you take the test, what it does is it says these are your 32 uh, skills, strengths, mm-hmm. calls them strengths, and it ranks them. And we focus on the top five. And the idea of this sort of philosophy is that don't focus on your weaknesses to try to make them better. Focus on your mm-hmm. strengths because, boy, you got them. And then if you're going to be paired up in teams – will team you up based on the needs of whatever the team is doing. We'll team up the people who have the strengths here. You might be weak in these five, but we got somebody that it's that those five weaknesses of yours are those other person's strengths. Mm-hmm. And, and you can assemble really powerful teams this way. Anyway, I learned my five strengths and it was totally enlightening. And the most enlightening, the most enlightening thing was I, I, I learned that I'm something called a learner. Learners, love to learn. Learners love to learn almost more than the thing that they're learning. <laughs> and learning is a strength. Some people are good at it and some people are not good at it. And the people who are good at it typically are okay with digging into a book because they're so driven to learn this thing and they know that the book goes deep that they're willing to do that. Whereas someone mm-hmm. who is weak doesn't get it from reading a book and reading a book is effortful. So they want the easier way to learn. Hence, people learn differently. That's why mm-hmm. having multiple multiple outlets for educational knowledge is really important. Hence, the video model is really strong with a lot of people who don't have the time, attention span to dig into a book, but they can listen to a conversation and they can mm-hmm. watch something moving on the screen. And that's just the way it is. And ironically, with the technical content as it gets more and more complex, the ability to learn becomes more and more important. If mm. somebody has the inability or a weak, I don't want to call it an ability, it's not a disability, it's just that you're better at some things than others. Mm-hmm. They're more challenged learning one way than the goal of the educators should be, okay, let's find a better way for you to learn as opposed to, well, yeah. sorry, you don't cut it. I've had this I've had this conversation with people who said, well, no, if, if you really care, you should sit in the lecture and listen to my boring death by PowerPoint because that's how you're going to learn. And it's like, that's a really egotistical viewpoint. And you're cutting, you know, you're cutting off your nose to spite your face because people won't learn from you. So if yeah. your mission is really to teach, you gotta help find people how they can best learn. 
Thanks. Thanks for that. I'm trying all the different ways. Having conversations with you is one of the ways. So, how much time now do you spend on producing the play-by-play? -play? Is it like your full-time job, or do you like how <laughs> how much percentage you're like running all over the places to get the guests? <laughs> no, I I don't call it a full-time job because. Uh, let's let's just say that the economics are not very strong. I don't do it for the money. Uh, mm -hmm. There is an there, there absolutely you know just just you know full disclosure. I I do make some money from from the plural site courses. Absolutely, there's a stipend that's paid to each author, and we do get residuals. When I recruit an author, uh, I always let them know that you know you're going to get a stipend for your for your time. It's not very big. It's about fifteen hundred bucks. It's no secret. Uh, mm -hmm. If the course publishes, um, and then every quarter there's a residual check from Pluralsight, which is delightful. You go to you know you go to the mailbox and you get a check every. I used to do this yeah. with my voiceovers. I love residuals are lovely, passive income as we as we call it. I said yeah. you know every every quarter you're going to get a check, and based on sort of the viewership, uh, the, the range, different play by plays. Some get more viewership, some get less, and that's how the residuals are generated. You're either mm -hmm. going to be able to go out and buy yourself a nice bottle of wine with that check. Or, or maybe a, a nice bottle of scotch, which is my, my preference. And if we have a really good quarter, you're going to be able to buy a case of really nice wine or really nice scotch. So Indeed. I'm not in it as a job job. I don't have a job job. I run a business that, and a practice, and I have lots of different things I do. But I have been spending a lot more time with the play-by-plays because I have a quota that I try to hit, which is 20 a year. And... I tried to do an analysis of just how much time it takes to produce one play-by-play. -play. Mm -hmm. And it averages probably 40 to 50 hours of effort. It's become a passion to complete the first 50, which will be by the end of the year, will the 50 mark by the end of the year. So I've been spending a lot of time on it. Uh, I spent, there's, you know, there's not only the pre-production, getting it ready for production, going into the studio a day in such a couple of days in Salt Lake City. But then there's the post-production. Once it comes out, we review it. I review it first. The author reviews it. We have to uh, create the table of contents and the labels and identify the division of the clips. I have to draft a, a voiceover demo uh, for the yeah. uh, for the trailer. They have to approve it. Then I have to record it. And, and then the Pluralsight does the post-production and then there's the billing stuff and blah 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 so there's a lot of ancillary people so 40 to 50 hours well you do the math if i record 20 a year do the math uh, 20 times 40 and that's the number of hours that i spend so clearly it's not full-time job but it's always going on yeah it's it's something's always happening but it's more like a sine wave like this and sometimes okay. it spikes and then it yeah, dips. I, I call it side hustle. I have many uh, that, but that hustling is that's good. And what I'm really going to start focusing on this year is marketing. Um, I need to raise awareness, which is why I, I really love that you asked me to do this podcast. I need to raise awareness in the community of. Um, so a lot of people still don't know their play by play. We have thousands of viewers, but. Um, Think about how many developers are supposedly in the Salesforce ecosystem. Yep. And how many customers, you know, hundreds of thousands of customers and theoretically millions of view of uh, millions of developers 
according mm. to the numbers that are put out by um, uh, developer relations in Trailhead, yeah, sure, some of those people are you know they they're dabbling, but there yeah. have to be there have to be tens of thousands. Yes. Hundreds of thousands of people who I believe would find this information of value that I believe are absolutely oblivious and not aware of it. Mm. That's that's my goal. You so know, one try, thing, trying to reach them is my goal. Yeah. It, it's good that you're here. At least uh, my listeners and my audience, they will start to pay attention to play by play if they didn't. But the thing is, um, I also sometimes realize that people are not patient. They always want to get the digest the information fast. They don't think, you know, it takes time. Oh, they they don't great, want to watch the videos, you know. Great topic. Great topic. Great topic. Great topic. You, you, uh, we are <laughs> we talking for nights. Yeah, you're, you know. pre you're preaching to the choir. I, I would be careful. I wouldn't generalize. I wouldn't say people are this or people are that. But okay. I do. But I do agree with you. Um, I have met and I have seen. Need it now got to have it you know it's like you know pe people say this is an american culture thing instant gratification they don't realize that time is a very important component and and and, and part of that is to, is today part of that is our internet generation yeah. i need it now i can go get it i can find it dan appleman and i do a presentation around education and um knowledge knowledge acquisition and one of the things we talk about is you know today compared to technology 20 years ago even 10 years ago there's so much information available now through the internet it's easy to acquire knowledge you can go out and find knowledge it's out there all you have to do is learn how to find it you have to weed through it hopefully you have somebody to help curate it to point you with the right knowledge that's a different challenge but it's there whereas you know when i started in technology 35 years ago there was nothing there, right? So you yeah. you had to find it, and there wasn't much to find. Now knowledge is prevalent; it's everywhere. Okay, that's not the problem. The problem is the absorption of that knowledge and turning it into what I call wisdom. Wisdom is taking knowledge and applying it in a real-world day-to-day activity to solve your problems and learning what works, what doesn't work, why it works, why it doesn't work. Ah, now you understand that knowledge. You have a deeper level of wisdom. Wisdom is tied to time. There's no getting around it. You can't buy wisdom. I mean, you can buy, you can buy somebody else's wisdom. You can say, okay, I need this done. Let's go, let's go get a guru. Let's go mm -hmm. get the guy who's done this before, and that's why we're going to hire him. But if you want to become that guy or gal that has that level of expertise, there's no shortcut. You have mm. to learn it. Um, this is one of the issues in the architect space uh, with the Salesforce, you know, the CTA, the Certified Technical Architect. Mm -hmm. With all the time and the resources and the growing library of information, you can absolutely learn the content. It's massive. It's just massive. And it's in, I call it a big bang. It's ever expanding. But it's doable. If you have the perseverance, the grit, the ability to learn, the, the willingness, the stubbornness, the time, the support, you can learn all the stuff you need to learn knowledge-wise to be able to pass all of the, what is it, two dozen, two dozen uh, architect certification exams. Yeah. That's not going to get you past the board review.
Why? Because the board review is not testing your knowledge. It's testing your wisdom. It's testing that you've been over the mountain. It's testing your experience, your expertise, your level as an expert. It's, you know, it's, 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 it's uh, testing it to what they call the minimally qualified candidate. Mm-hmm. But that, that, that bar is really high. And you need to prove that you haven't just read the book. You don't just know how to recite the terms, what we call word salad. Oh, yes, mm-hmm. I you know, takes this and this and that you actually have the experience. You know, the word expert, the same root as expertise, experience. There's a reason. Experts are people who've done it and they know it so well that they're experts because they've done it. You can't just go out and get that. You have to do it, and doing things takes time. It's just a, it's a, it is an undeniable dimension. That's what time is. And unless people understand that, they're they're at a, they're putting themselves at a disadvantage. It's one of the reasons why I try to ensure that whoever it is I put in front of a camera has the expertise that what they're spouting. Maybe it's a very thin slice, but mm-hmm. on that thin slice. They have enough expertise that it is of value to someone else who has to deal with that topic. Thanks. One last thing before I let you go is that, um, so I want to share my experience, one year and a half experience. By the time I joined Salesforce, um, there weren't good developer experience. You know, we, we, we still use the change sets. We still use the old force.com IDE, you know. We don't have those cutting-edge modern tools. But now, after two years, we have so many things already you know, in place. Like we have Scratchwork, we have DX, the Salesforce CLI, we have the second-generation packaging. So it seems to me Salesforce is really on the right track and we are moving fast in speed on the right direction. So to me, is that I start to really be proud as a Salesforce developer, but uh, I try to deliver this message out as well whenever I get the chance to present. But what is your opinion? I have been only two years, and I love the things that's happening in these two years. But before that, what were the experiences of people? Were you struggling? Were you lost? When I used to teach, uh, I've been teaching Salesforce for 10 years. What was fascinating in those days was in the programming courses, Dev 501 and even Dev 502, um, the the people who took the course were most often, and even a little bit in Dev 401, developers coming in from outside who had Mm -hmm. to understand development on the platform. And so they had, you know, they were mostly Java developers or .NET developers. Mm -hmm. Uh, Sometimes we'd get web developers. And it was all about how do you shift the mindset? How do you become an Apex developer from that? What's interesting over the last five years is that there's been a significant shift. There are still people coming in from other platforms, but there's a larger demographic of people who have come into development from Salesforce, from the declarative side, from the admin side, from the business process side that need to learn coding, that need to learn the programmatic aspects of the platform. More people who have come up as Salesforce as their first technology, their first ways of building apps that were Mm -hmm. drawn in through Trailhead, drawn in through the declarative ease, 
wanting to dig deeper into the programmer side now have to cross over. And that's what they're doing. And what's fascinating to me is that on the one hand, Salesforce has been extremely successful um, helping their customers leverage the power of the platform on the click side, on the declarative side. And the message that goes out is you can now you can build more and more sophisticated business logic. You've got process builder, you've got the new flow builder. It's fantastic. At the same time, on the programmatic side, the team has done this incredible job of refactoring how the metadata engine and platform works to support the standards in modern programmatic development. The move to the command line interface, the ability of Scratchworks, the modular approach to development, not only for deployment of metadata, but the modular architecture with the introduction of Lightning and the Lightning Framework. The evolution of the Lightning Framework from Aura to the standard Lightning Web Component model that you know we can do now. We couldn't do it six years ago, seven years ago when Lightning was in its infancy. Now we can. They keep the technology moving forward and they're bringing in the technologists from other platforms. Leverage your web development, JavaScript, Lightning Web Component skill sets, develop UI, for Salesforce, and then learn. You still have to learn how is Salesforce different. It's a different animal. You still have to understand yeah. the declarative model. You still have to understand the metadata model. But you can absolutely leverage those skill sets. You don't have to learn as much proprietary content. It's now following the development standards. So they have done an incredible job. It's incredible. And the effort of Andy Fawcett and Wade Wagner and all the guys on the technical side, what they've been able to do is incredible. And yet it's also a paradigm shift because now you have people who came into Salesforce, they learned the metadata model, they got into Apex and Visual Force, they learned change sets, they, they, they've, they've worked with the uh, metadata API, and now you're saying, oh yeah, but now you have to become a real developer. Now you have to understand GitHub, source control, uh, real application lifecycle management, uh, uh, and the new packaging model, modular development, and all of that. And it's a major shift because people are stuck with these legacy orgs with all of this happy soup, dependent metadata. We just recorded a course on this, is why I wanted to mention Robert Sosman, who okay. did the static <laughs> analysis course in March. Mm -hmm. It's all doable, but it is a mind shift for many of the developers who really got into the Salesforce model. And now they're wondering how to deal with all these, the spaghetti code this, uh, these, with regard to dependent metadata. But it's going in the right direction. It's the tools compared to where we were even four years ago, three years ago, where we were yeah. suffering with the Eclipse IDE. God, what a, I hate. I, I'm not an Eclipse fan, but there are other people who love Eclipse, right? It's all again, yeah. you know, different different stokes for different folks, but yeah. it's all in the right direction. It's it's all in, it's incredible what they've accomplished, and I'm a, I'm a huge. Clearly, I'm biased, and I'm a huge fan, but mm -hmm. it's a lot of learning. Yes. And that's the challenge. How do you educate? How do you have, how do you, accepting a paradigm shift is one of the hardest things that humans can do. And it's mm -hmm. a paradigm shift. But it will be so much better. Think, you got to think out 10 years. You yeah. really got to be a forward mindset. Think out 10 years. Where will it be in 10 years? So if you start adopting it now incrementally in baby steps, even five years, it will, it will be amazing. Mm -hmm. That's my diatribe on it. Thank you, Don. It's been a great pleasure talking to you. See you next My time then. My pleasure, sir. If 
enjoyed listening to this session and want to have a really easy way to support this podcast, why don't you give us a quick rating or even a review on whatever channel you are listening to this show? If you are using iTunes, just go to salesforceway.com/itunes. It should open up the iTunes page for you. I read pretty much all the reviews you leave over there, and it really helps other people discover this show. So your support is very much appreciated, and I'm super grateful you have spent your invaluable time with me here. And I'd really love to hear how you think about this podcast. At last, I hope you are doing well, taking care. And see you next time.